Hello, this is Pastor Ariel, and welcome to Devotional. It is my prayer before every episode that this podcast will be a blessing for you. Please remember to subscribe to Devotional on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening in. This way, you will be notified every time a new episode is published. And don't forget to scroll down on the show's description and click on the links for all the free resources to get the best experience out of this podcast. Also, please remember to share with your friends and loved ones so they too can be blessed with this resource. Lastly, please consider becoming a supporter of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. And now, here's today's episode. Welcome to Devotional. We are on lesson number three, and this is day six for Thursday, January 17th. Yes, I know, I know. I haven't been able to publish these as, as uh, on time as I wanted to. And it's because this book is uh, challenging me. Um, there's fresh things that I have had to go into that I normally haven't spent that much time in. I didn't realize that I never really gave much thought to the introductions of Jesus. And um, there are some things that I'm discovering. Uh, it's not as simple <laughs> as the lesson makes it out. You're like, hey, you want to know what Jesus, why Jesus introduces himself uh, to the seven churches? Just go to chapter one, because as we discovered already, some of the descriptions do not come out of chapter one, at least not directly. And the same thing happens here. Some of them are implied. Um, I'm just going to get to the nitty gritty. Uh, the way Jesus introduces himself to the church in Philadelphia uh, which is one of only two churches that receives no rebukes because of their faithfulness. Um, this church, he introduces himself as holy, true, and the one that has the key of David, uh, which gives him the authority to open doors that no one can shut and shut doors that no one can open. Why? That, that's been the dominant question, right? Why does Jesus introduce himself this way to the various churches? And we've, from day one, we've said, you know, before we even knew there was a need, Jesus already has the solution. And this church is in need of being validated, being affirmed. This church is being accused of not being legitimate, of being false, of being a counterfeit. And of course, we have to remind ourselves, the first and primary message goes to the church historically, to the church at that time when John was writing it to the church in Philadelphia. And you can hear the tension that is already happening between the established Jewish community and this other Jewish sect that uh, you know followed this Jesus of Nazarene, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, that claimed to be the Messiah and who was the legitimate Messiah, the Messiah long awaited. And of course, Christians were being labeled as a false sect of Judaism. They were being discredited amongst all these individuals, both pagans and other uh, faithful individuals asking, what, how are we to relate to these Christians? So Jesus introduces himself as holy. And the word holy doesn't mean individuals that have a halo over their heads. I mean, that's how I grew up thinking, you know, those are the saints. In the paintings, you can tell who the saints are because they have this circle painted above their heads. That's a false conception of, of holiness. Holiness are real people living in a sinful, broken world and experiencing pain and heartache because of the opposition. Yet, 
um, they have been set apart because of Christ, because of His forgiveness and cleansing. These individuals now are set apart. They are different. Jesus was set apart in that He was unique. He was both God and man. Um, those two natures were within Him in a, in a mystery, the mystery of godliness, as we talked already. So He was holy in that sense. Sabbath is holy in that it is not a day like every other day. It is set aside for spiritual exercises, for communion with God, for restoring that relationship with God and with one another. God and family are our primary elements in Sabbath. And God, of course, takes the primacy. So Sabbath is a holy day, not because the, the sun shines brighter or because the birds sing louder. It's simply a day that has been set aside for a purpose directly linked with God. And that when people are holy, it's not that they have made themselves holy, it's that they have been made holy. Uh, Sabbath actually means that. Uh, in Ezekiel, when God says, you will keep your Sabbath as a sign that I am the Lord that sanctifies you, that word sanctify means to make holy. So um, Jesus introduces himself as the one that originates this experience of being set apart. And to the Church of Philadelphia, this is extremely important. Jesus is presenting himself to them as the one that recognizes that they are holy. They are the ones that have been set apart. The external ceremonies, the, 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 uh, at that time, probably the temple has already been destroyed, but there were synagogues, um, and the synagogues ended up replacing the temple. So if you did not belong to a synagogue, you were not legit. You were not part of God's holy people. But here Jesus presents himself as the one that is holy. And if you are linked to him, then you are a holy people. You, you cannot link yourself to a building because as, as it happened to the temple, it was destroyed. You cannot link yourself to humans, to rabbis, uh, even to an earthly priesthood. You link yourself to the one that is holy and can make things holy. Jesus at creation blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. The Sabbath did not make itself holy in and of itself. And just as the Sabbath cannot make itself holy, you and I cannot. It is a result of the grace of God in our lives and our choosing to link ourselves with Jesus, the Holy One. The second uh, description is true. And true in the sense of being genuine and legitimate. And most, both of these, the, the holy being set apart for a specific uh, function, uh, a divine function, and true being genuine and legitimate, both of these terms come together with this last one. Has the key of David uh, that opens and opens doors that no one can shut and shuts doors that no one can open. That is almost a verbatim quote from Isaiah chapter, 50, uh, chapter 22, verse 22. Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22. Let me turn there real quick so I can read it for you. And there's a context. Of course, you're just going to read one verse. Isaiah 22, 22 says, Then I will set the key of the house of David on his shoulder. When he opens, no one will shut. And when he shuts, no one will open. Almost a direct word-for-word -word quote. Um, but what does it mean? Well, in the context, there was this gentleman named Shebna, who was the original possessor of this key of the house of David. And Shebna depended, in verse 8, says that, uh, in that day, you depended on the weapons of the house of the forest. In verse 11, it says, but you did not depend on him who made it. There's this individual who began to depend on 
earthly resources, uh, armies and weapons, instead of depending on the Lord of armies, the Lord of Sabaoth, that's one of the titles that God receives in the Old Testament. He's the God of armies. Um, no matter how big an army you have, if God is not with you, you will be defeated. And so this gentleman uh, this um, had been entrusted, Shepna, with the key to the uh, house of David, became unfaithful. He took his eyes off of God. Therefore, he was replaced by another individual named Eliakim, who would be a faithful keeper of those keys, who would make use of those keys righteously, correctly, faithfully. So this is a transition of an individual that had been entrusted with the key of David. He took his eyes off the one that made the kingdom of, uh, gave David that kingdom and put his eyes on earthly armies, earthly weapons, earthly resources, and lost sight of God. He did not depend on him who made all these things. And because of that, the keys were taken from his shoulder and given to Eliakim, and he would be a faithful keeper of those keys. So it's, it's powerful because this is Jesus speaking to Christians. And this is not speaking salvific. This is not saying you are lost and now you are saved. This is speaking about being entrusted with something that opens doors that no one can shut and shut doors that no one can open. Now, Jesus, of course, through the cross, opened the way to salvation, opened the way to God, opened the way to heaven for every human being. Um, so taking all of these into consideration, um, Jesus is the, the, the originator of holiness being set apart. He's true, genuine, and legitimate. And now he is the one that has this key. The, the Jewish nation had been entrusted with these keys. I'm going to read two passages for you. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19. It says the following. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And this is Jesus speaking to the disciples. It's not that you have, but I will give, meaning Jesus has. And he can entrust these keys to those whom he, he deems will be faithful in using those keys righteously. And what is that use of using those keys righteously? What are these keys of the kingdom? Well, we're not going to do an exhaustive study right now, but just one more verse, right? Luke 11:52, The Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 52. Luke 11, 52. Um, sorry, the pages are sticking. <laughs> Luke 11:52 says, Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge, for you yourselves do not enter in, and you hinder those who were entering. Now, this key of knowledge, and the way Jesus words this, is you didn't go in, implying the door is open. Here was this key of knowledge that you possessed, this key of understanding who God is. In John chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And how, would they, how were they to know this? Through Torah. The Jewish nation were entrusted with one of the most valuable treasures God could entrust any ethnic group, any human family, a personal revelation of himself recorded in writing for generations to accumulate 
all of these experiences of God saving, God rescuing, God interacting, God making promises, and by His power fulfilling those promises at times in spite of human messing ups. And of course, I'm thinking of Abraham. This is the God that is revealed in Torah, in all the prophets, in the Psalms, and the lawyers had taken away this key. They had not been faithful. And so now this key of knowledge, the key of the kingdom of heaven, has been entrusted to Christians, which does not imply at all that Jewish people could not be saved, that salvation was no longer extended to them, by no means. It's just that they had failed in sharing with the, word, the world that which would set prisoners free. The key of the gospel, the key of the knowledge of God, through Jesus, the true Messiah, the legitimate Messiah. So this is God making a strong um, affirmation to the Christians. You are weak. You are poor. You are being accused of being illegitimate, of not being God's holy people. But I know you. And I want to let you know that you, in fact, are. And though you may be poor in earthly possessions, you are rich because you have the keys to the kingdom. And because of that, the door is open and no one can shut the door that I have opened of salvation for the human race. I can shut it, I, but I have left it wide open. Use these keys to get as many people to enter through this open door. So there's a question there for us. For you and I. Though this was written to the church in Philadelphia then, it does have its prophetic application to us now. And we're not going to spend time with the historicist application of when this was taking place. We're going to go to the principle. Because remember, all seven churches got to read what the other churches were being um, either commended for or rebuked for. So the seven churches had specific messages, but within each of those churches were members that needed to hear those other messages as well. And that means you and I as well. So the question is, our church, Monroe and Oakwood, are we being faithful with this key of knowledge? Are you being faithful with what you have been entrusted with, the scriptures? Are you a faithful steward? Are you utilizing your resources and talents to lead people to enter through this open door that Jesus has made for the human race? There was a nation that, through stubbornness and losing sight of eternal realities, forgot about the God who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in it, and set their eyes on earthly things. The Jewish leaders at the time of Christ wanted an earthly kingdom. And because they were obsessed and passionate at only securing earthly wealth, earthly power, and earthly Messiah, they rejected the true Messiah that God has sent, His only Son. We may have accepted Jesus, but where are our eyes set? Where is our focus? I just recently memorized a verse, a memory verse, from Luke chapter 12, verse 34. And it's an easy verse to remember the reference because if you look at it, it is Luke 1, 2, 3, 4, 12, 34. Luke 12, 34 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where have your eyes been focused, your priorities, your worryings, 
your investment of time and resources? How does it measure up your investments in your, with your resources and time with the church versus earthly pursuits? Where is your investment? Are you and I being faithful with the key of David, with the key of God's kingdom, with the key of knowledge of who God truly is, with the Word of God? Are we allowing this resource, this key to be used? Are we invested so that our eyes will not get deceived into putting our treasures down here so that our hearts get stuck on an earth that will perish? This church, Philadelphia, made the right choice. The church means brotherly love. The church means that even though they had no resources, they did not deny God. That's what Jesus tells them. You have kept my word and have not denied my name. Um, God is appealing once again to revise our priorities. Jesus, he is coming soon. And when that day comes, where you and I have invested our resources will reveal where our heart is. You know, when, when I thought about uh, this, this specific church, I realized how personal this message needs to be because the church of Laodicea, which will be the last church we look at, that's not the church Jesus is going to come to take to heaven. The church of Laodicea needs to repent and go back to becoming the church of Philadelphia. And the church of Philadelphia is the church that Jesus wants to be in existence before he comes. So in, in, a, in a real sense, there will be, uh, of course, all the other churches will be get manifested in the church, but some dominant uh, features will be this Philadelphia mindset of individuals that outwardly they may not have possessed great resources, but inwardly they have chosen to be faithful with this great treasure that they have been entrusted with, the key of the knowledge of who God is, the key of David, the key of God's kingdom. And they have refused to become the church of Laodicea, which is the last church we will look at tomorrow in our last episode. But today, I want my treasure to be in heaven where Jesus is. He is my treasure. And because Jesus is my treasure, my heart is with Him. May that be my experience. May this be your experience, that we will have been found faithful with what Jesus has entrusted us with. This is Pastor Ariel, and I hope you were blessed with today's episode of Devotional. It is my prayer this resource will inspire you to spend personal time studying God's Word, including using the study tool of our Sabbath School Quarterly. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast. This way, you will be notified each time a new episode is published. And don't forget to scroll down on the show's description and click on the links for all the free resources to get the best experience out of this podcast. 
Also, please remember to share with your friends through social media, be it Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or the one you use regularly. This way, they can also be blessed with this resource. Lastly, please consider becoming a financial supporter of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. This is Pastor Ariel inviting you to study the Bible with me again on our next episode of Devotional. Devotional.